Well, kia ora koutou, welcome to CircuitCast. It's the sixth in our 2018 Artists in Conversation series, and today we're in Mangari at the Te Wananga o Aotearoa here in Auckland uh, with moving image artist Avea Ma Afilio and uh, Jeremy Lea Tanu'u to talk about their work uh, ahead of Truth or Consequences, which is uh, the 2018 program for Circuit of Artists Cinema Commissions, a really interesting looking program. Uh, kia ora, Jeremy, kia ora, uh, Vea. Kia ora. Kia ora. Maybe I could start by asking you to introduce yourselves. Sure. Jeremy? Katsuka kumi tōtahi ki ngā atua Māori, nā rātou i hangaonga mea katoa. Me mihi atu ki a kingitū heitia, tēnei te mihi ki aia me tōna whānau, Tēnei te mihi ki a koutou katoa, ko tāi mai i te whare nei, te wānga Aotearoa, tika ana te mihi ki te mihi ki te wānga nei tēnā koe. Ko Jeremy Lauten ui tōku ingoa, nō ngati mania pōtoa hau, nō te whinua hāmua hoki. Ai, mauri ora ki a tātou. Kia ora. My name's obviously Bea Mafileo and I'm um, half Tongan, I've got a little bit of Māori in there and uh, Scottish and English. I was brought up in the Waikato on a jerry farm but also lived at times in Tonga. We're here at the, the Wānanga, Jeremy. Um, what, what are you doing here? I'm a student here learning Te Reo Māori. This is my second year of learning the language. The last two years I've been learning in a Māori immersion environment. It's been a, a great journey so far. I'm just looking forward to continuing this journey and, and seeing where it takes me. And it's not far from, from where you grew up here, I think. No, no, I mean, it's only 10 minutes away from where I grew up in Otahu and only 15 minutes away from where I stay now in Manurewa. Why did you decide to, to learn to row? Because you've been in full immersion, I think, yes. Mm, I think I've been thinking about it for a long time. I would say at least 10, 10 years. And I had enrolled in other language classes before, but mostly evening classes, and I just found that it was really difficult to juggle that with work and with other commitments and so when I knew the time was right I wanted to enroll in a full immersion just to kind of make me really sit and listen and learn. I suppose I thought that was the only way I could really hold on to it and, and grasp it. I think it was the right thing for me. And when I think of your the work I know of yours, there these in the past they've been very much performative, performance-based uh, film work of documenting your kind of occupation of public space, maybe dealing with issues of history and sites and, and mm. so forth. Is, is that changing with this interest for you with, with, with the rail? My practice in the last two years has definitely been influenced by my current language journey. I feel like I still have that desire to continue to learn the stories that are here in this country. It just means that I also get to understand the stories a little bit better now that I have a little bit of real uh, and understanding some of the histories that might not be well known or are in books. So if anything, it's kind of enriched my understanding and knowledge of, of those things. And Vey, you, um, your work is quite documentary based in a way as I understand it. What are you working on at the moment? At the moment, I'm working on a feature length documentary which is going through the, its final stages. The film is actually about my dad and my family and culture and identity and these kind of being New Zealand born but still trying to live a Tongan life, well help dad live his Tongan life and those kind of conflicts that, that arise around that, especially in terms of faith and monetary values, yeah. When are we going to get to see it? 
it's having a theatrical release at the moment we're looking at February but hopefully it'll do a festival run before that sure, um, yeah. so um, I'm interested then in just in terms of this difference in your approaches to you've kind of had some shared training but you've got quite different approaches I think because I mean I would have thought with your work there you could have come out of just a sort of more straight film training background what happened uh, with art you know art school you have um, contextual studies which is something that I dreaded with all my whole soul I hate writing hmm. and so that's when I picked up the camera to document everything and then that started to become my actual work while we were in our third year at art school we had to get job placements mm. and I ended up getting a assistant art directing role on Pacifica Beach Street which was one of the first Pacifica programs and so that started out my journey in the um, film and television industry and which I um, went on to after I got my degree. I kind of like, they worked side by side um, the whole way through. So my arts has kind of always been to the side of my work journey, which has been through film and television. So you guys are two of five artists that have been commissioned for this circuit series, and the, it's been curated by a UK-based Canadian Demic Erica Balsam, it's called Truth or Consequences, I think. And I thought it was kind of interesting just to touch a little bit on Erica's provocation to you and how you responded to them. She, um, I think, directed you to a, an incident in 2004 in America where a presidential aide told a New York Times journalist that they were sort of hopelessly behind the Times and that, that, that they came from what they called the reality-based community and that that's not the world that we live in anymore. Uh, to quote, we're an empire now and when we act we create our own reality. It's quite a big thing to be thrown at you as to what that made you think about and how you, the process you went through to create the works that you did. Well, I think for me, I had been sitting on some footage for um, a few years which I wanted to develop into a feature but I saw this as an opportunity to really work with that footage to work to the brief and and that was uh, some footage of stigmata event that happened a couple of years ago in Samoa and um, me and my partner we were there he was getting his chief title and it was quite a big ceremony there were three titles given out and over 70 people were getting titles it was all done in the same day and it was kind of breaking tradition because they hadn't really done it that way before. And then it was Easter weekend and then this girl was experiencing the stigmata and we literally lived, we were staying three houses down. So we were here, we were there for another agenda but then we were hearing about this girl, something's going on with her and it was the same, uh, she was going to the same church as um, Jerry's family, so we, we went to the Sunday service and she was giving her testimony of the events and, and then we went and talked to her afterwards. So this kind of story evolved and I had thought maybe this is great TV, you know, TV head on, I was like, oh, I'm gonna use this to tell my story on, on Tangata Pacifica or something like this, or tell her story, sorry. But then as, as I talked to her and met her and saw her and saw the blood and saw the markings, I was like, is, is this real? 
Is, am I seeing mm. this? So we should talk a little bit about the event because I think it was quite, it got quite a lot of international news media coverage at the yeah. time. So literally, yeah. stigmata meaning oh, this is Easter, maybe 2015? Yeah, I think it was, yes. I understand from the notes the, that she and her partner maybe had recently become you know, converted to the Catholic faith. That that came uh, came out of it. Oh, came out of it, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. And yeah. she'd been having a symptom of. So she started off um, years for three years before her stigmata event. She'd been bleeding out of her eyes, and she had um, scratches that were bleeding, uh, and it was they had named it Maisamoa, which is uh, what would you call that, Jeremy? Oh. It's like. Um, Sickness or yeah, like sort of like a the the devil sickness kind of thing, yeah, yeah from from a bad place. Mm. But then when she experienced the stigmata, it was Jesus talking through her, coming from a good place. It divided the community. Uh, it divided Samoa. Some people were for it. Some people were against it. She was really just kind of caught in this situation of these events happening to her out of her control. Or are they in her control? When you see her, it's it's hard to to really know where it's coming from. To be honest, well, it's how how real was it? I mean, to, you know, was it clear to, to you? You you're not sure. I'm still if it's undecided. A or not. Because when you see the markings, you're just not sure if where it's coming from. Like, is this really stigmata? I don't know because I'm not an overly religious person so I find it really hard for I think a lot of Samoans it was a case of is this good or is this bad for me it's a case of is this real or not real do you know if there were any similar accounts before that had happened or not in Samoa I think this is the first stigmata event to happen in Samoa and the other thing was that her dad was minister to a non-Catholic church. It usually happens in a Catholic, through Catholic church. So that was another thing that was kind of strange. They ended up converting to being Catholic in order to go to Rome. They sent them over to Rome to, to get an audience with the Pope. There's photos of her meeting him, but not in a closed setting. It's, she's just part of a crowd, mm. yeah. So, And she was bleeding then from the forehead. So, I don't know. So, yeah. This was an international news story. So, in terms of moving image, what did you feel that you could do as a moving image maker in the face of all that media, I guess? Because I always knew that I wanted to develop into something more and eventually feature. My partner, who is a cameraman, Jerry Taumiti, he was going back to Samoa for... I think it was a funeral but I said to him can you please go see her again and shoot her in a waterfall because I'd as soon as I'd met her I just knew that I had to put her in a waterfall and just I don't know just get her <laughs> to walk around you know and because there's just so something you know there's so many layers to this and just the being in the water and that purity or non I just really wanted to play around with with what is her reality there's just so much of this this story to go into that as a moving image maker I just wanted to really just make it about her and to be with her for a while and really look at her hands and just you know look 
at the footage online, just really draw it out so that you can kind of try and form your own opinions of what the reality is, what her reality is. So really this piece that I made now is just a really experimental sort of, for me, getting my head around Toa and her person and her personality and just trying to figure out what that is. Yeah, I imagine um, those who, who, you know, may have a view or opinion on on what they thought was real or not real, given, you know, media and how, how much we, we see it, may have been a big part of how other people see that story and, and I suppose could potentially mould or shape their perspective on that and because yeah. sometimes that can happen to our own family members, you know, and all the different perspectives, I suppose, gelling and then suddenly forming into an, a different type of non-reality or reality. Jeremy, just coming back to Erica's um, provocation in terms of what you, how you respond, again, it feels like it, you've taken it back home to where you grew up, I think. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what, what this provocation brought out in you in terms of creating a work. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a lot, it's, it's a big topic, you know, to, to have to grasp. And then it took me a little while to know how I was going to respond to it. And I suppose I just took the word truth and, and in a very paradigm what does that mean and given my current language journey you are introduced to a whole bunch of stories from all over the country and you're also introduced to different accounts of the same story and one thing that I've been fortunate enough to experience and I suppose here from from dif- different people's perspectives is that there isn't necessarily a disregarding of other accounts even though they might contradict one's own account it's just accepted that that story exists and and this story exists so for me I was interested in providing two accounts they both contradict each other and just integrating that into a into a moving image piece. So the the two accounts of the same incident and they're regarding the same journey and the same iwi. Um, In this case it's the crossing of the Tainui Waka upon arriving to Aotearoa. So the first account talks a little bit about some of the events that had happened when they arrived, when they crossed the, the land over in Otahu and then carried on to Kafia. And then the second account says that they didn't cross, they were unsuccessful, and they went up north and rounded Cape Grana. Which is quite a huge difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then eventually, uh, as we know, landed in the, in the same place in Kafia. Where were those two sources from? From a book called Onga Iwi or Tainui, Peite Hurinui and Bruce Biggs. Are you in your work this time? No. I guess no. Oh. No. What I was interested in was focusing on more, I suppose, natural landscape-based um, scenes and, I suppose, trying to use those elements, those visual elements, as as ways to connect to the to the story that's being told, to somehow pick parts of the land that could be potential traces of a part in the story, mm. and to potentially, I suppose, in, in in some way, massage the imagination of the person to try and take them back to that time where these stories come from for a short while, and then to use those very same scenes in the first story in the second story mm. to potentially change their view perhaps because they would have in that first half of that film they may have attached 
some meaning to those to those visuals through my narration or through their own imagination and then to bring those images back and then provide a different account altogether and whether that I suppose put them in a similar position of mm. it's up to you how you see the story and which one you decide to take or whether you take both of them. Just going back to this provocation of Erica, you know, so this presidential aide questioned this New York Times journalist and said, you know, you people that believe in the judicious study of discernible reality, the whole idea of journalism, and it kind of strikes me that your works aren't really sticking up for journalism. In a way they're saying, well look, what is the truth? Because your truth depends on your your cultural perspective, your language, your you know what I mean? That there are many truths, there are many translations, that there is never one definable truth in this world of post-truth age. In a way, the post-truth age is perhaps a far more real place than that place that the New York Times journalist was coming from. You know what I mean? I think truth is totally dependent on on your own perceptions, as you were saying, like your cultural background. What's true to you may not be true to your neighbour. Oh, Vaya Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. A big thank you to the Wananga here. Um, thanks for joining us. All right. Good luck with finishing off your films. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, just a quick shout out to um, the team over at Te Oro, um, who helped with the with the recording of the of the narration, and of course to to Te Wananga, Te Hemi Kelly, Te Hurunui, and Bruce Biggs. Of course, you guys at Circuit. Thanks. Kia ora.